everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we, where we try to take some science, squish it into an hour-long show, hopefully making it less confusing than it was at the beginning. This week we're diving into colour. How do we use it? How is it used? What does it make us feel? Follow, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at InfoEntropyPod. I lied. It's Information Entropy Pod for Instagram. And of course, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now, if you give us a follow, a rating, a like, we appreciate it absolutely massively. Uh, I'm Tom Jakes, and I'm joined by, as per usual, my very good friend, Mitchell Gatting. How are you, mate? Hello. I'm well. You've bombarded them with the intro again, Tommy. One thing. Um, I did. And, you know, Too many. I remembered halfway through. Rip in peace. And at that point, uh... I'd already... I'd already committed, so we, we went for it. Um, apologies mm. if you feel offended by the well, number not of here things anymore. I told. That, that's, well, that's, that's true. That's the thing. Those people have shuffled off. You've you've overdone their synapses in their brain. They're like, oh, too much. Oh, well, so we can just speak stop. about board games and stuff then. Oh, is, is, everybody, is everybody gone? Sick. Well, yeah. let's talk about apiary. <laughs> my, my new hyperfixation that's not out yet. Oh, yeah, you're not even not even out yet. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Um, well, we yeah, if you're into the sentient space-faring bees, games. check out check out board games. Board games. We'll, we'll do an episode on board games one day. One day, but that I feel be like completely a side non-scientific thing whatsoever. But I think we could look at the science of it. I think that would well, be interesting. I reckon there's a very rich tapestry and history of the evolution of games and why humans even play games. Like yeah. our ancestors play used to play games, because um, you can go and get like the oldest known game, which is like it's like a board with grooves in it, and you move the balls along. I think that's one of the oldest ones recorded. Okay, yeah, um, which is you know fun, I guess. <laughs> and then the evolution away all to to video games and how that's gone and how. Yes, I think that would be very interesting. Oh, wow. Just straight up pulling pulling that out, yeah. But it's like um, (laughs) advertisement seems boring, but then when you actually start diving deep into the psychology behind why things are done a certain way, uh, Uh, like loot boxes or even just walking around a a store, right? Uh, There's actually quite a lot of interesting stuff going on there. I think a few years ago, I just made the conscious decision of if I see anything advertised on me in a situation that there didn't used to be advertisement like YouTube on the internet or anything like that, I will instantly detest whatever they're trying to sell and never buy it purely because I'm against it. Um, Yeah. So if I see anything, even under like the ad blockers at the moment, they're, they're, they're failing the battle against ads. Unless I go like, because you can go really deep with ad blocking and like set up a either an ad block or like a VPN on your router, so it blocks it at the router level. But oh. then there's issues if there's people in the house that work that need to know about advertisements because that's more in their remit of their job. Um, <laughs> so that can there's some reason why you can't do it. Um, but yeah. You can go to that level. Or you I can no use a, a Raspberry Pi to act as like a firewall. That's technical, that, isn't it? I wondered why they it were is. getting worse. What do you mean? Uh, not Raspberry Pi's. I mean, ad blockers. I was like, oh, I feel like my ad blocker mm. just doesn't do what it used to do. 
Yeah, you block um, is failing against YouTube. YouTube now owned by or has been owned for years by Google is now stepping up to the point where I think it will block the visual, but you still get the audio. And if um, it detects, if YouTube detects that you've been blocking it for like I think it's like four or more, it will block your access to YouTube. Oh. I have to say, YouTube is the one place I do not get advertisements. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I, I don't pay for to, for that, because that's bullshit. Yeah, you're um, that used to be free. Yeah, so, uh, to be fair, they're just the Google standard ad blocker does the, uh, YouTube perfectly for me. You want to watch out? You may get banned. Well. Yeah. Fine. <clears throat> But let's talk about the elephant in the room, Starfield. Uh, how you feel? Have you played it yet? Um, no, I'm. I'm still. I'm. Mate, I bought Crash Bandicoot. Oh yeah, you said because that's the level of money I've got. <laughs> uh, do you know the it was on sale. Uh, the site that we spoke of, the secret site, yeah, secret source site. It's on there, mate. Um, so you can go. I, and, I did think so, yeah. But I'll finish Crash Bandicoot first. Yeah, I've been. I've been playing it, and like a seven out of ten. Okay. That's not bad. At least it wasn't in like a No Man's Sky. Um, well, No Man's like Sky situation. for me is a three, it's a, it's a three out of ten. No, like I, no, I, no, I no, use no. I use the proper scale where like five is okay. Yeah, ten is masterpiece, and zero is unplayable. Not the not the IGN. <laughs> Seven is really 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 good, <laughs> and everything above that like, but anything below a seven is crap. I don't. I don't yeah. use that. So like, it's it's okay. If it wins game of the year, I will, you know, flip my desk because it doesn't deserve it. Um, I just don't think that will happen, though, will it? No, nah, I think it's, it's either between Baldur's Gate or the new Zelda one, and I hope Baldur's Gate gets it over the Zelda one. Yeah, that's fair. It deserves. Um, yeah. I don't know. No Man's Sky on launch. I would agree. Two. Two out of ten. No Man's Sky now. Oh, that's a solid eight. Disagree. I if, if big if here asterisk if you like space exploration and resource gathering and you don't mind sixty hours. Just if that's not your jam, I, don't 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 even bother. I enjoy resource gathering, Minecraft. Just that that's what I'm saying. It's like resource gathering and building yeah. and exploration. No Man's Sky and Starfield also does the same thing whereas compared to Baldur's Gate 3 it doesn't and, it, and it's all to do with like innate for me it's like enabling fun <laughs> like and not putting in boundaries that you know a developer has put in to either stop you from regressing at a certain rate or to stop you from just having fun and playing around with something and with Starfield I've already put like heavy mods into the game to remove those limitations that it puts on because it, I just find it absolutely infuriating. Like they, mm. they, they, they've got this whole really detailed, um, ship builder. You build it from scratch. It has to have X, Y, Z. Some of the criterion that it puts on it is just like, here, build your favorite and best starship that you want. Oh wait, but don't have too much fun. Like we don't want you doing this. Like, because, you know, we've made a balance and we don't want you to be out balanced because that would be just too much fun. Even though you've got the money for it, 
and it makes no sense yeah you don't want you to do it like so i i built like this this massive hulking thing that had like two reactors and like two shield generators and all that kind of jazz and it was like no nah, sorry you only allowed one reactor and one shield generator because we want there to be a balance like you have to choose if you want to have shields or not i'm like but i've got enough money that i've made through the game let me make like the um like an imperial death star whatever <laughs> i can't remember what the name yeah. is for the, the triangle one from star wars i was trying to make um so then i modded it to not do that because i was like you're stopping me from having fun this i'm playing a game <laughs> to have fun like yeah. stop them don't, don't stop me and no man's sky is like that as well the whole like there's too many different resources in that game for me to be like yeah i'm gonna go collect iron and then another one and then another one and that gives me the ability to have fuel to fly between planets but then you need 20 different more if you want to you know warp drive and i'm just like just yeah i remember thinking that when i first played but the last time i went back to play it, it really wasn't that complicated um it's not complicated it's just the payoff isn't there for me to want to go and fair. collect all these crappy things to then jump and know there isn't really a story anymore and you're getting to a place that you don't need to get to and yeah it's it's just a lot of like wasted time and reducing yeah, fun that's fair. So for That's both of those games, I'll either cheat or I'll mod it <laughs> just to get the resources yeah. that I want to make it the fun, creative experience that I think it should be. Um, yeah. Like intentionally not giving you enough resources or limiting the resources you can get to slow your progression. Same thing happened with Animal Crossing. They right. limit what you can do in one day. And it was a big... Um, debate point when it came out was like do you because you can skip forward the time on like a, a switch and it was the whole like you shouldn't skip forward time or people that did and this whole big divide in the community uh which i thought was really interesting at the time because i skip forward yeah. the time because i'm like i want to play the game and i want to do x and i want to keep playing it but the game's like no you need to take your time with the first section like if you want to keep playing all you can do is catch fish and wait, you need to go to sleep. Um, and that's back when I was streaming a little bit. So I was like, well, I played the five hours that it's allocated me to play and I can't do anything more. So let me skip four time. Yeah, that's valid. That's fair. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, we'll, we'll definitely come back and chat about this then. For next <laughs> bit. Um, I think but for those of you who are still here. If we do like a psychology, <laughs> a, a psychology episode on it, I think there is a lot there. Um, oh, also, the things we can talk about as well. You mentioned the loot boxes. But, like, yeah, there yeah. are patents out in the wild that is all to do with, like, watching where your cursor goes to um, if you buy a really cool, like, gun skin in um, Call of Duty, it puts you in lobbies that are with worse players. So the uh, initial, like, five games after you've bought that good gun, you get that really good, like, dopamine, good that feet of that hit because you're just absolutely you know wasting people um to try and reinforce and that do what i bet that does behavior. as well people who are worse are less likely to put money into the game as well so basically they probably see people like cool skin they do better and they get put in front of people yes. who probably haven't seen the skin yet as well mm -hmm. and they're yeah. like oh that's cool skin i want that yeah yeah that's 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 wild and that's like that's that's not just us like conspiracy theory. That is like a paint like a patent that was put through that you know it's been vehemently that specific one has been like vehemently de denied by the industry. But like that is like here's a the flavor. There's probably X amount that 
is going on in those systems to make you purchase yeah. things. Um, but countries are kind of stopping that practice, banning loot boxes. Yay. Yeah, we're getting there slowly. So slowly, slowly. Um, cool. Well, the news, so mate. My, you're the news. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say my news is going to be about um, scientists growing a two-week-old human embryo in the lab uh, from scratch for the first time. But I'll just go over it very quickly so we, we don't delay uh, going into color and color color theory a bit. Uh, actually, getting to the topic of the of, of the week. Um, so scientists have developed human embryo models uh, from stem cells. So without uh, sperm and egg cells uh, cultured in a lab for the very first time and it's given us an unprecedented view of the the first week of what would happen um, after implantation in the uterine wall and what the the scientists were, were saying here is that the drama and uh, unfortunate consequences that sometimes happen through pregnancies are often a result of development developmental changes or uh, issues within the first month um, and then in the remaining eight months or so it's, it's mainly a lot of growth and this comes from J- Jacob Hanna from the Weizmann Institute of Science in Israel but what they were saying is actually this first month is largely a black box for us we don't really know what goes on a lot of the time because obviously for ethics we can't just go into uh, a human's body and ex- inspect what the uh, implanted embryo is doing at various points you know that's just not okay mm-hmm. <laughs> um so we we just don't know a lot about it because it's so small and ultrasounds and things like that don't give us a lot of information when, when it's going uh at that early on um so yeah the international research team coaxed genetically unmodified undifferentiated human derived stem cells into complex structures that mimic the human embryonic development the process has revealed remarkable self-organization um ability of human stem cells uh, that we knew were there anyway but key features that had not been seen before include three lineages that make the placenta the embryonic support structures and the layer of cells that form uh, the embryo itself before it folds in itself, in, in on itself, sorry, and grows into the different tissues and organs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, so just even from this first week uh, or the results from taking it out after a week of uh, the fake uterine wall that they had implanted it in um, was we've discovered actually three lineages uh, that go on to form these structures develop very, very quickly. Um, which I guess kind of makes sense, but we didn't know that before. So cool, cool stuff. But yes, I'll, I'll leave that there. And of course, the implications of this is that uh, treatments for fertility uh, issues, uh, early pregnancy loss and developmental birth defects can be understood and perhaps mitigated now that we hopefully from these kinds of studies can get a better understanding of uh, what is going on there in those very early stages so it's exciting stuff yeah oh, it's cool all right what so will they do week, next these crazy scientists i know um I, I, th- I think it's been a big year for some health and research opportunities like the cancer in a pill thing um the male contraceptive pill slash induction the this now 
Um, I think there have been some other major developments that we I'm forgetting off the top of the dome right now, but that we we've covered in news. Um, So I think it's been quite a a big year. But maybe these things happen every year. (laughs) Um, So, color, color, mate, and color theory. I I did my classic thing of not clarifying exactly what we should be researching. (laughs) I think you did, Um, and I just was like, I'll just do what I want because that's the way I am. no. Nah, nah, nah. Um, I'll take the heat for this one. But it's all right. Have you got any facts? Of course I... I do. Yeah, we, we rely on you for these things. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, right, I mean, yeah, I get the facts. Do you know what the most popular colour is? Hmm. I'm going to say it's blue. Oh, he's nailed it. Often cited as the oh. world's favourite colour. It's associated with calmness, trustworthiness, and serenity. Not the ship from that sci-fi reference, but from being calm. <laughs> um, it's Nolan, yeah, isn't it? It's no, yeah, isn't it? What, it's what Firefly. Is Fire, right? Yeah, you're right. It's Firefly. Oh. And it's the name of the movie yeah. as well that came yes. after that explained it where is. the Ravengers came from. So that's a deep reference. Yeah, deep cut. Deep cuts. <laughs> um, <laughs> colour blindness. We're all still sad. 8% of men are colour blind. Oh. And 0.5% of women of Northern European descent have red-green colorblindness, making it the most common form of colorblindness. Because you're so, red-green. So 8, 8% of men and 0.5% men of or, women of Northern European descent. Region. Okay. So 8, 8% of men are... And that encounters all types of colorblindness, and the zero point five percent is of women is just that one type. No, I know I paused greatly between the two percentage, but it re- it reads better as eight percent of men and zero point five percent of women of Northern European descent. Is that better? Oh, I said that more clearly. Yeah, sorry, that was just my red green. So eight point five percent of all people of Northern European descent have red green colorblindness. It's so interesting that there's such a gender divide there. Yeah. 8% to 0.5% of the population. Yeah. Uh, I know colorblindness, a lot of that is genetically based. So I wonder whether it just transfers through Maybe. Cro- chromosomes better? Yeah. Like so genetically male chromosomes men better? More likely yeah. to inherit it. That's wild. Uh, color and taste. Color of food can often influence our perception of taste. For example, people often associate red and pink with sweetness, or green and blue linked with sourness. And if you dye, I guess using color food dye, uh, a food that you expect to be sweet blue, it tastes sour. So oh, really? Logically treating yourself, yeah, tricking yourself. It yeah. makes so much sense. And I wonder how much of that is genetically programmed. Because mm. I guess a lot of fruit is red. Well, I'm thinking of apples here, I guess. Strawberries, berries. So I'm wondering if that's like hunt, hunter-gatherer stages. Oh, that stuff's going to be sweet. And then they like the modern era food producers have just keyed into that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, stuff like that is exactly why I wanted to like look at color or color theory is because I think it impacts us so much on a day-to-day life that everywhere we go, especially when you look at stuff like advertisements, <gasps> and like, you. 
<laughs> and things like that. It really, they have picked those colors for a very specific reason. And there's a lot of science behind that, like how it emotionally affects you and all of these mm. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and like, I, I think I find that psychological, that human psyche side of the color very fascinating but i knew absolutely nothing about it so it gave me a good (laughs) a good opportunity to uh, spend some time researching about it Mm -hmm. um so yeah crayola is my next fact oh brand of crayons yeah Uh, also one of my favorite insults that i've seen recently is calling somebody uh (laughs) crayon muncher (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) That's that the, is great. Oh, I saw it somewhere. I can't remember where, but being like, you absolute crayon muncher. Uh, <laughs> so, in, in, in insult, insulting someone's intelligence um, is what yeah. that means. Uh, but the well known brand of crayons produced over 400 different colors since 1903 when it was founded. Are they actually? That's yeah. mad. Yeah, absolutely crazy stuff. There's also rare colors, uh, if you didn't know. I well, didn't. Yeah. Um, some colors are rare in nature, such as true blue pigments. Um, before synthetic mm. blue dyes were developed, obtaining a stable blue color for art and textiles was challenging. There's also is it like venti black, vanta, vanta like, black, not like large black. <laughs> <laughs> no, because <laughs> isn't that what venti stands for? Uh, venti is twenty. Oh yeah, because that that the monologue. <laughs> it's even more stupider. Yeah, yeah, the monologue. Uh, so, by yeah, the, the snob in the store is like twenty yeah, is twenty, exactly. which is twenty yeah. ounces of liquid. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's why it's the largest because it has to have twenty ounces. Um, uh, but it's um, Vanta, yeah, Vanta yeah. Black. Vanta Black. There's Especially... now Vanta Black three point Okay. Um, basically, they made Vanta Black, which is the darkest pigment that it's meant to absorb so much light. And if you research, or research, if you Below Google 1%. this and look at some images, um, you can see people have, like, they have a, there's one here I'm looking at, a statue, and then they've painted an identical statue black. And it just looks like there's a void next to it. Yeah. Um, but they've made it Vanta Black 3 now, which is even darker somehow i'm not sure how it works um but the the funniest thing um about try, it try and painting it is anish kapoor <laughs> yeah um tried to patent vanta black no he did patent vanta black because it's the pigment which you're allowed to um patent um or it was another s- really dark pigment that he made and then so someone else bought a uh, patented Vanta Black and the only stipulation of the patent and selling it is you're not allowed to buy it for Anish Kapoor or be Anish Kapoor. Like, when you buy it, you sign a contract saying <laughs> you're not him or you're not buying it for him. Yeah. And it is incredible. Uh, yeah. Stuart Semple is the guy's name. That's it. Yeah, what a hero. <laughs> well, an absolute... Hero, and when we say like yeah. it's the darkest thing, what we're talking about there is its reflective rate, or its total yes. hemispherical reflectance, which is THR, um, and it has the THR which is below one percent in the visible spectrum. 
Wow. Uh, do you want Vad to stand for? It actually stands for something. Um, vertically aligned nanotube array. Black. Ah. Because that's, that's how they make it. They're nanotubes. And it's all about the nanotubes, yeah. Um, <laughs> Everything these days comes back to nanotubes and lasers. Wild. Uh, <laughs> so the controversy arose when the Surrey nanosystem, which is the people that actually made it, granted a niche exclusive rights to use Vanta Black in artistic applications. Um, yeah. In response, Nanolab, which is the other geezers, uh, partnered with an, an artist to make a black paint called Singularity Black. Um, oh, that was it. Yeah. Which is the opposing one. Crazy. Yeah. So anyone's allowed to use that one yeah. as long as you're not Anish Kapoor. Yeah. Or associates. So <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Um, you that, you got but I was that. looking at. Yeah, I got that. Sorry, deep. yeah. Paintings. Yeah, it's just the craziest things. And I think they were allowed to do that because that was a product that they'd made. Um, so I was looking here is it possible to patent a color? Which it's not. But there are some colours named after very specific things. If you think about Aston Martin Green is one that springs to mind. Oh, yeah. All the old racing Aston Martin cars had a specific green colour to them. And now that colour is just Aston Martin Green. But there's also Um, um, British Racing Green, which is similar, but without the name. Yes. Well, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. British Racing Green then. Sorry. Um, But obviously that can't be patented by anyone. Um, But yeah, it, it it is a very nice green. A lovely That's green, yeah. Um, so so color then. What, what is that? What is color? What is color? Color, w- wild. Um, did you look at like? Did you try and do a definition for color? Um, we'll try and explain what it is. So color gets a bit creepy for me. It's one of those those subjects where it's our definition of uh. <laughs> A surface material or pigment that absorbs X amount of frequencies and reflects X amount of frequencies. So we see it in a specific color. And we we see it in a specific frequency and then we attribute that to a word which is color on the spectrum of colors. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Is that... So I, I guess yeah, it, it can, you can get very uh, inceptiony when you start thinking of it like that. Yeah, I guess. Um, so color, I guess, if we think about light, is a wavelength of the on the electromagnetic spectrum, um, but only a very small portion of that. So you have your shorter wavelengths, uh, which are your blue colors um let me just double check i haven't got these numbers the wrong way around uh, visible light wavelengths because uh so 400 nanometers is yes uh 380 to 435 is your purples to blues and this mm-hmm. is where the wavelength is very short, so very high frequency. Um, and then when you get your wavelength gets longer, up to about 740 nanometers, that's where it's, it's your red. So it goes from blue to red, and it is like a linear thing. If you go past red, you start going into infrared, which is heat. I'm coming that's how a lot upon of infrared. 
that's how a lot of our night vision cameras work. Uh, we can't actually see that. And if you go below blue, so you, the wavelengths are very short, you start getting to ultraviolet and then to X-rays. Yeah. So X-rays are actually on the same spectrum as light, but just, just a lot further down the spectrum. Yeah. Our eyes have evolved to only pick up those very specific frequencies. I also want and to then, say... As Mitch very correctly said, we attribute that with an arbitrary... An arbitrary colour, Yeah. And it's very, Jimmy, we've speak about this before, about very, like, human-centric descriptions and things. Because when, yeah. you, when you talk about colour, you obviously talk about the light, the colours themselves, eyes, the vision, but it's yeah. very much the human eye and vision. Because we've talked about the, um, yeah. the, the mantis shrimp. Yes. Which has, like, triple the number of cones and rods. So... Cones and rods, I realize I'm getting ahead of myself. Cones and rods are the cones are photoreceptor cells that are in our eyes. They contain light sensitive yep. pigments called photopigments. Um, they come in three types uh, S cones, which are short, M cones, which are medium, and L cones, which are long. And, and they were responsible for our perception of color. These mantis shrimp have like. Loads. 16. 16 of these. So they are able to see essentially <laughs> is it ultraviolet light they, they can see in? Um, they, they also have six polarization channels, which um, also allows them to see into ultraviolet, yes. Yeah. Which, so when we say like, oh, that's red, the uh, mantis stream could peak would be like, actually, it's this. Because so, you, you are, uh, you know. I think yeah, so compared to the, looking through a, it's, a tube, <laughs> it's like the old CRT monitors compared to 8K. Like the Mantis Shrimp yeah. is seeing the world in 16K, and we're sat here with like a 1040p eyeball, just making We've the best. We've got a pinhole things. camera. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, we've got the, like the yeah. first iteration. iteration of, <laughs> it's like, upside down on the wall. <laughs> bit blurry. There's no lens on it, so yeah. we can't get any good focus. It's just a. Image on a roof, which was the first yeah, part. So of as um, Mitch correctly said there, we've got our short cones, which are responsible for blue wavelengths. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and that's why they're called short, because they pick up the short, short wavelengths. Ah, oh, makes sense. The yeah. medium are corresponded to green light and medium wavelengths. And the, the L cones, the long cones, are responsible for the red and yellow parts of the spectrum because they pick up the long parts. So we have a cone for blue, a cone for green, and a cone for yellow slash red. And yeah. when each I'm... when we look at something, each cone emits a signal. Like I'm getting this much green. Like mm, yes, I'm getting uh, red. I'm getting blues. <laughs> well, it's like the, the blue cone will uh, send you know an electrical impulse to the brain of how. And if it, there's a lot of blue, it sends more of a signal. If yeah. there's more green, then the the green cone goes off and then if it's more red yellow then that cone goes off and then the mixture of that is what our brain interprets and tells us what color is there um so if only if we're looking at a leaf and it's green and only the green cone is pinging and the other two aren't then our brain goes oh well that's green then uh, and that's essentially how it works the mantis and that's how we see all the different combinations as well but the mantis shrimp has 16 of these so it's just we cannot fathom at all what it's seeing but this does bring me on to something that i think is incredibly fascinating well to do with sorry 
Yeah, what, what, what's yep. your... Because I was going to talk about colorblindness before we move on to do the, the rounds and um, the cards. <laughs> the rounds and the cards. <laughs> uh, this, I think this, will, this will come back into it. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it is rounds. I'm not thing. straying too far okay. from <laughs> the rounds and the, the, the cards, whatever we're calling them now. The cones of the rods. Um, so, as, as I just described, we look at something and maybe the, the, the blue cone goes, ah, oh, here's this much blue and the red cone has this much... Uh, signal and then our brain interprets that to be whatever color we're seeing something very weird happens though when we get to the color that we have labeled arbitrarily magenta because on the electromagnetic scale it doesn't actually exist there is no wavelength or nanometers that you can give to magenta it does not actually exist in the real world So let me understand, uh, let me explain (laughs) how this works. As I said, the the electromagnetic spectrum goes from X-rays into UVs, then into your blues, then up to reds, then past the visible light, you've got your infrared and microwaves. It is a linear spectrum that goes from left to right, let's say. It's not circular, right? But we do like to uh, present things in a circular way. So if you ever think about being on Microsoft Word or Paint or any other tool where you can uh, color things in on your computer, it will present you with a circle that goes from blue, wraps around to red, and then to get back to blue again, they insert a mixture of red and blue, which goes purple to magenta and back to blue again. Uh, Sorry, red, magenta, purple, blue. Because magenta is what you get when you mix mix blue and red in equal colours, right? It makes sense that we would put magenta there. But if you take the wavelength from equal parts red and equal parts blue, what you'll read off is around 500 nanometers. And what is 500 nanometers? Green. So how does the brain get magenta when it's registering equal parts blue and red? When if we measured that with a a wavelength, we'd get what we would represent as green. Well, this is, we only get this thanks to the fact that we have a specialized green cone. So the S uh, cone and the L cone send equal signals measure, but the green cone sends no signal. So the brain goes, okay, There's something here that's midway between red and blue. I'm getting nothing from the green one, so I'm just making that magenta. Whereas if you were doing actual measurements, like say kind of scientifically, I guess, you would go, ah, these wavelengths equal green, but I'm not seeing green. What the hell is going on? Your brain obviously doesn't measure exact wavelengths. So it's this really kind of like weird, some people call it a perceptual or imagined color because technically it doesn't exist measurably, but it does exist because everyone sees it and perceives it the same way. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I hate talking about these things. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Um, I think it's, in, it's so fascinating. Oh, it 100% um, is, but it, it makes you like self-analyze your experience of things around you. I, I, yeah. I have that faux pas before. Uh, I lived with someone who was colorblind for a whole year, completely forgot. I was like, mate, can you pass me the red mug? And he just looked at me like, what? 
I was like, it's red marking right there. <laughs> so I'm having colourblind. I was like, oh yeah, I knew that. I knew that. Yeah. By the way, during your yeah, question but you didn't do it intentionally about the um, inheritance. You are correct. Yes. Uh, it's more likely to be passed on to males because the gene responsible for cone sensitivities are located located on the X chromosome. Since males only have one oh, chromosome, a single faulty gene from their mother can result in the colour. So actually, it's not their fault. It's their mother's fault. Oh. Um. No, oh, the patriarchy strikes again. Boom. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's the way the cookies crumble. But yeah, it's, it, that, yeah. that's that's the case. Um, yeah, it's and it kind of leads to the question: like, how individual is our perception of color? Oh, very, very um, much, very much. I like, think. okay, I we're both looking at something that's red. Are we perceiving the exact same hue, same contrast, well, same? You know, yeah. Uh, I think not. So I think what we would call British racing green is pretty much the same, but not exactly the same. Yeah. There's there was a situation in in the, the, the household that we live in. Um, it, it was the teal situation where we had a disagreement about whether a car was teal or not, and became the running ah. joke. It's now a running joke of being like, oh, if something's like a bluey green, it's teal, um, which is definitely <laughs> not the case. Um, so yeah, going back so to there the are some very obscure things like that, though. So yeah, I, I can yeah. understand how that works. Yeah, car blindness. It's also if you know the names, it's like giving the giving someone the tools to do a task. If you're not taught, like this is going on with patriarchy thing again, of um, when we were growing up conditioned if you want to put it that way um back in our day like <laughs> when we were conditioned yeah well it, it kind of is that to be honest um oh no no 100 yeah, uh, yeah. okay like that joke came up recently and it was through like conditioning children and i was like i made the joke of oh yeah the conditioning starting i was at a wedding recently <laughs> and the young young girl was like oh can i play with the princesses and the dolls and the mom was like yeah and i was like oh the conditioning starting early um <laughs> but oh but but guys if we, we don't use we weren't like coloring all that kind of jazz i'm not speaking quite generally here not specifically because having an artist for a mother was very much yeah here's the crayons would you like sunset orange yeah here you go um but they're not crayon muncher <laughs> for the crayon muncher as a child um <laughs> Like, do you know, like you get swatches when like the different color swatch. Yeah. Like, it, like yeah. guys aren't given the tools to be able to describe it differently. So for like what someone could be like, this is salmon instead of just being like, yeah, it's pink. Um, <laughs> like oh, it's all to do with yeah. like, there's a whole lexiconography aspect of it. Um, oh, a hundred percent. It's like, you don't if you just actually don't know so you go oh yeah it's pink but like yeah. with training you can pick out the hue and know if you don't know something has a name you're just going to guess your best approximation mm-hmm. um but there are like hue tests you can do oh yeah have you ever uh, seen them? i don't know if you've ever done those i've done one I, don't, I did one on tiktok a while ago oh yeah i think i did a prefer i think the last time we did a oh, we, did, we, color, did. we did we did um, we tests. did one and i scored very well but Huge it, challenge. The fact that these tests, the fact that these tests exist, show that actually we do perceive color differently. Um, 
And then, yeah, thinking about that too much can really trip you out. Yeah. Um, the, see, the bringing issue, this background to colorblind. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. We are going to talk about colorblindness eventually. Um, <laughs> is that colorblindness is caused by those cones and rods not working? I just want to be specific about what causes it. Essentially, the, the yes. sensitivity in. So say that your M or L cones aren't working. That's what causes the green red color blindness is because those cones that are used for green red don't work and white other colors are fine. Yes. And uh, what I found out recently was that the, the two, let's say, axes of color blindness is red, green, um, but also blue, yellow. Yeah. Um, so right. you have deuteranopia and protonopia. Yes. Which is red, red, green color blindness, mm-hmm. and the most common form, as you said, and that's a genetic mutation that affects either the M cones, so that would be your detection of green light, or um, the L cones. So deuteranopia is a form of red-green color blindness where the M cones are missing or defective. So that means you, your eyes do not detect green signals to tell your brain that they're there, essentially. So and because they're on opposite ends of the human perception of color, um, they become very difficult to distinguish from each other. And then protonopia results from the absence or malfunction of the L cones. Um, again, making it difficult to distinguish between red and green as well, but that's because this time you've lost the red side rather than the green side. Um, and then you've got tritonopia, which is your blue-yellow color blindness, and this is a lot less common. But I think it's less common because there's two ways to get red-green color blindness, um, and this is caused by a mutation that affects the S cones, the short wavelength. Uh, individuals with tritonopia have difficulty distinguishing between uh, blue and yellow. Yeah. Indeed. Just sent Tom a message of an image of oh. me scoring zero on a color hue challenge test. You scored zero? Yeah, zero is the, is the perfect score. Oh, right. A like, lower score. I was like, oh, mate, yeah. you really failed that. Oh, all right. Did you did you just do that? Yeah, yeah. Well, did you well, find whilst that? you were monologuing, I, I did that just then. Oh, <laughs> um, fair, fair. You got uh, me then monologuing. You got mono- <laughs> Name monochromacy. What is that? Syndrome from The Incredibles. That is Syndrome from The Incredibles, the first one. Yeah, yeah. Good. That's it. What, what a great movie. Great movie. Uh, m- monochromacy. Monochromacy. What about monochromacy? Uh, this is. When I first heard about color blindness, this is what I envisioned it would be to people. Black and white. Black and white, no, it's not. It's not at all. Uh, Monochromacy, though, is a rare form of color blindness where one type of cone cell is completely missing or non-functional. And it could be due to genetic disorders affecting cone cells. People with monochromacy typically see the world in shades of gray and may have difficulty seeing details in bright light. And you have a chromatopsia, which is a severe form of color blindness where none of the cone cells function properly. Uh, individuals with a chromatopsia see the world in grayscale uh, again and maybe highly sensitive to bright light. I can imagine um, it'd be like 
what's it called? Being flashbanged. If you looked at something like the yeah sunset, it's a bit sad. Yeah, have you seen these the uh, Enchroma glasses? Oh, those things are wicked. I have no idea how they function. I've only yeah. ever seen the videos of people putting them on and then crying and then being like, "This yeah. is life changing." Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't know. Is it okay? So apparently, it, there's like, it, there's there's eight different things that can cause it to work. The first one is filtering out overlapping colors. So color blindness often results from an overlap in sensitivity of the cones in the eye to detect different colors. For example, in red green color blindness, the most common type. The sensitivity of red-green cones overlaps significantly. This overlap can make it challenging between red and green colours. So it mutes the one that you have an oversensitivity for. Ergo, balancing it oh, out. that's cool. Therefore, making things... I was about to say, is normal the right thing to say here? Typical. Typical, I think, is the... Yeah, but even, uh, like... Right I, I, I understand that with like the whole Pete, like, uh, Pete being PC about things. But when it comes to colours, there is a normal colour for things. I guess, um, and I, that all that way, the way that that works also highlights the fact that colorblindness isn't just like a total defect, like that's missing. It could just be it's not as sensitive, so the brain gets a mixed signal, right? If something's oversensitive or not yeah. sensitive as it should be, even just something about filtering it out uh, really helps. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so essentially that's what it does. It filters out the overlapping colors. It then selectively filters light. So that it causes the reduction of the sensitivity um, by filtering out the overlapping colors. The glasses help to reduce the confusion caused by certain colors that appear similar to the individual's colorblindness. There is an adjustment period. So in the individual's colorblindness, first wear these glasses, they may not experience an immediate dramatic effect like the movies that you see on YouTube. Instead, it often takes some time for the brain to adjust to the new visual information provided by the glasses. So continual use may many report to be like in proved color discrimination which is the only positive sentence you'll find color discrimination in um there's limitations <laughs> such as color blind glasses <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> color yeah. blind glasses are not a universal solution um like if you're not specifically red blood client <laughs> red blue color blind it may have some other uh. effects um it mainly is useful out in outdoor situations so indoor you may not see as like as much success again it's not it's not a cure and if you have prescription glasses sometimes you'll have to wear the glasses over your prescriptive glasses so there's not like a two-in-one prescriptive glasses and okay. in chroma at this current time <laughs> probably is in, in the in the pipe works but not not currently yeah yeah really cool yeah i had no idea how they work that's really interesting yeah it really really, really quite is i also had like a oh, this came up earlier uh color therapy you seen this i haven't no but i'm not surprised that it's a thing pseudoscience believe that certain colors have healing or therapeutic effects on the mind and body oh, okay no that seems sounds like bs yeah um Uh, but i i was just thinking i know that certain colors have links to emotions as you said blue and serenity and red with anger um, passion anger passion same wheelhouse um i had it written down somewhere red warmth passion energy blue calmness stability depth yellow brightness optimism clarity so i know that like yellow so cowardice apparently your yellow belly um, I think that yeah. you can't say that anymore, Tom. I said clarity, mate. 
No, yeah, you caught on yellow belly. Yellow belly for being cowardly. What, back in the Wild West? Yeah, where would that stem from, though? Ah, yeah. I can't be saying that these days. Yeah, that's fair. Well, that's on me. Um, Yeah. Well, but I was just thinking, I can see how, like, maybe putting someone in a room that's, like, blue may calm them down. And that stems from, I presume evolutionarily developed traits okay i've got an update for you tom yeah it's good you're not going to be cancelled the uh origin of the phrase yellow belly is it began life began life in england in the late 18th century as a mildly derogatory nickname uh yellow bellies this is an application given to the person born in the fens who it is jokingly said have yellow bellies like their eels so that's why they're called yellow bellies so yeah, well there we go. So yellow belly, I've a person born in Lancashire, uh, known for being cowardly. I've never associated it with the British saying before. Only ever, like Wild West. Yeah, but you know where do Americans come from? Plymouth. That's where they come from. Um, yeah. So I did have this discussion with an American today, <laughs> and they were. How did that come up? And uh, oh, I well, they uh, we were talking about like um, how some people have Neanderthal. Uh, descent yeah and then they made a joke because they're American how that's how they identify as like you know some people are like oh yeah I'm Irish yeah, actually yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. They're, they're they're five six <laughs> generations removed yeah and they were doing the same thing they're like oh yeah I'm basically Neanderthal um <laughs> so it was a self dig but appreciated self dig mm-hmm. yeah um fun times Okay, cool. I'm glad to know I'm not getting cancelled. Yeah, it's always good. Um, just a little, yeah. another fact. Like, to, I'm going to sprinkle them in. Do you know there's a colour of the universe? In 2002, astronomers named the colour of the universe Cosmic Latte. It's a slightly beigeish white colour oh. that represents the average colour of the light in the cosmos. Well, that's cool. Yeah. What's the universe's uh, beige like flag? Our... <laughs> Cosmic latte. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it really is. It's like off-white. Yeah. Oh, right. If ever I'm allowed to decorate a house, I'm going <laughs> to go Cosmic Latte. Yeah. If anyone would like to know the, the hex code, hashtag FFF8E7. Yeah. Oh, do you know what I'm going to do right now? See if that works in my R and I can put that on a graph. Yeah. Find <laughs> the like, Cosmic Latte. Right um... That's cool. Yeah. I don't think anyone will ever let me decorate a house after hearing that. That's true. But, it but is, that's if, cool. like, if you're going to make a, a, like a space-themed cafe, the Cosmic Latte is a great, A, name for it in the first place, but a good name for a drink. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I feel like we deviated from a topic you were on, and I can't remember what that topic was. <sighs> I think I was... Winding, winding down on the color blindness. Okay. Um, um, I had a look at some other perceptual colors, right? Um, and there are cool tricks that the brain will play to help our perception of colors in the environment. One of them is color constancy. So let's say you're looking at a red apple, whether yeah. it's in bright light or darkly shaded like you're taking it inside and there's no lights on and it's dark you'll still see that as red 
even if the hue and the contrast and the light availability is uh, changed a lot, your brain will kind of fill in the blank there of what that color, you know that color should be. Um, and another thing that I see all the time, and it really weirds me out, and I'm sure people have done these, uh, not tricks or their visual illusions before, is simultaneous contrast. So if you take a color and you put it next to another color, they can appear very differently compared to when they're viewed in isolation. Yes. So if you put a gray square on a red background, uh, the gray square may actually seem quite blue. But when you separate them, you realize it actually is just gray. And this is something that is becoming more and more apparent in science and also with the, the colorblindness, actually, is being very aware of the color scales that we use in graphs. Um, Viridis is a color palette that goes from dark purple up to uh, green and then to yellow and it's meant to be one of the best color palettes you can use in a I guess any diagram but it's making the rounds in science at the minute because for most colorblind uh, individuals no matter the, the the type of colorblindness that they have the contrast of those colors still work well so it's more available and accessible to anyone who might be viewing uh, that graph or publication you're putting forward. Mm -hmm. um, so contrast is really a important factor to think about, I guess, in, in design. Oh, it always um, is. Yeah. People, people go yeah. to school I, and get degrees and that kind of stuff, Tom. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Who would have thought? Getting, getting a degree yeah. in colour. I mean, fair play. Yeah. I bet it is one of those things that's just super interesting that the more you, you learn about it. Mm, um, yeah. Like, I'm sure, like, painting, like, models and miniatures and things, you end up learning so much just about how layering colours. Yes. And oh, dear. The, the, things the, like that, the how colours interact with each other. I hyperfixated on painting miniatures. I went down some rabbit holes on, like, <laughs> like full colour theory of, like, how do you make something look bright? in a painting yeah like I mean, Warhammer was the, the cheapest one I bought a Warhammer kit and I wanted something to look like the gun was firing so like it was like white or like how do you make how do you make a colour brighter seems like yeah. most people be like oh you just add white and it makes it whiter but that's not that's not how it works because then you just get pale no. you have to add like a whole different variety of things um Back yeah. when I was doing and they're like, like adding accents to colors and things as well, like yeah. you don't just, yeah, it's wild to me. Um, back when I was doing like DD drawings of like landscapes, not having done this at school and learning like the way that you do distance is like you wash out but you make it blue or bluer because that's how light works in yeah. real life because the frequencies get stretched out so you do see it even if it's just a small pale of oh, someone's going to correct me on this but that's what i remembered is like you you can just add like a small like blue hue-ish i say hue but like it's yeah. a filter yeah um and this works uh so in the atmosphere obviously if you look up at the sky it's blue reflecting nitrogen that happens down with us as well <laughs> like at eye level we just don't perceive it because it's such a minimized effect um one of the good ways to see this is in the ocean if you've ever been scuba diving um if you dive obviously the deeper you go 
different wavelengths of light attenuate at different rates. Oh, and yes, there's a good video. The of this. longest live uh, wavelengths fill, attenuate quicker. So red light does not pass. You know, well, it does a little bit, but I I remember. I think I cut my hand while scuba diving at like 30 meters or so. And then like, or someone else did. Anyway, blood was green. Yeah. There's, because there's red light very, just can't be reflected down there. A very good uh, <laughs> YouTube video where a diver has got like the full color spectrum on a chart on the surface. And then yes, they record it yes. going all the way down and it gets to a certain level. It all just looks the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like they shine their light on it, don't they? their torch mm-hmm. because the tort is em- the tort the torch is emitting the in uh white light we call it when it's got every type of wavelength in it um you can then see that the red but as soon as the the white light is taken off of it um yeah it's really really fascinating and i remember like when we were taking stuff down to film we take red filters with us to add the red light back in uh whilst we were filming Mm-hmm. Um, with like GoPros and things um, but yeah I mean a lot of like the colour theory is completely dependent as we've mentioned once or twice on the human perception of it the typical human perception of it that is um, but also because of the sun and the type of light that it emits right uh, it is a yellow star but it emits white light so that's hence you know why we've evolved to uh key in on that hone in on that i'm sure if we were around a different star uh visual receptors would have evolved slightly differently Mm. so yeah um exciting stuff very exciting stuff in my head uh we've got a couple more minutes have you got anything you'd like to dive into or uh rattle off quickly uh octopus Pods. Pod. It's not pods, not plural. The pod? The pod is plural. Okay. And how they use camouflage, because it's colour related. Oh, it is. And also very cool. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so they not only can change the colour, I found this out, but they also can control the muscles so succinctly under their skin, they can make it look smooth and bumpy. Which is actually even crazier. Um Yeah. They can change There's a their... couple of really cool videos of that happening yes. in action. Yeah. They have special cells in their skins that are filled with all the different colours. And these cells, these cells are usually yellow, red, or brown, attached to small muscles that they can change the size of the colour cell. So to change the, the, the colour of their skin, octopus will make the cell either bigger or smaller, stretching and relaxing their muscles. For example, the let's focus on the cell with red pigment. If an octopus relaxes the muscles connected to its red color cells, the cells will become really small and would not be able to see the color red on the octopus's skin. However, if the octopus stretched the rest, the red muscles connected to the, the cell, these cells will then stretch and get bigger. So that's what we see. It's like, do you know, with um, old TVs, you have like red, yellow, blue, green, blue, RGB, like RGB, red, green, blue. Yeah. Red, yeah, green, yeah. Blue. And it's to do with like the strength of the color will make up the image. That's how it used to work. Yeah. Because the, the, the RGB used to be in the same place. Essentially based on an octopus's cells. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I guess the octopus, instead of strength, is the surface area. Yeah. So it's making the, the pigment Bigger. wider or, or smaller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really cool. And then, so what happens with like the, the octopus and other um, 
cryptic species that will uh, have chromatophores, they're called. Uh, the, the very top layer of their skin is see-through, and then they'll have like a red layer of cells, and then a blue yes, uh, chromatophores that they can stretch, and then a blue layer underneath. Is, um, uh, chameleons. so cool. Chameleons are the same. Yes. Um, yeah, chameleons are wild. The deepest layer contains melanophores, which are filled with brown melanin. You didn't know? Uh, okay, yeah. The I the layers, their, their cells are called iridophores, which have a blue pigment and reflect blue and white light. The layers top of those cells are called xanthophores, or pores, or fours, and erythores, which contain yellow and red pigments, respectively. So they have specific names for the layers. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so it goes red, blue, brown. Uh, ye blue white. So red, yellow at the oh, top, okay. followed by yeah. um blue white, and then brown at the bottom. Um, but unlike the the chameleons, it's related to their body temperature or mood. So its nervous system tells its specific chromatophores to expand and contract. Um, yeah, they were like, "Hey, I don't need a mood ring. I've got mood skin." Yeah. For example, the moon <laughs> might turn red by fully expanding its red thaws, uh if excited. If it's calm, oh. on the other hand, it might turn green by contracting its erythrophores and allowing some of the blue reflected light from the iridosphere hores to mix in with this layer. So it mixes the blue and the yellow that's... to make green. Well, that's pretty wild. Yeah. So, with so is different... it not a camouflage tool then? Um... If it's purely related to mood, it didn't. It's not purely. And, um, it's it's body temperature. It just it can or do. mood. So I'm not sure if it is related to. I think there are some it's, that it purely is survival based. Yeah. Um. Like it could be if it existed on a branch of a specific tree, and that's where it's adapted to. It's like frightened expression. Oh, I see. It. it yeah. Would be would brown be to it. help it yeah, survive. Okay. As a natural instinct. Yeah. That makes sense. And some species, you know, can do this change really quickly. If you think about the cuttlefish and the octopus, you know, it happens rapidly. And then some species, uh, the chromatophore, the, the colour change is a lot slower. I think chameleons are not the most rapid. No, not compared to But they to do have quite a wide range. No. Yeah. The, the octopod. Octopodes. Yeah. All right. Awesome stuff. Um... That, that's colour and a bit of colour theory. Um, we never got to the colour wheel, but that's a thing that exists. <laughs> so if you, you're still interested, that's something you can go check out. That is more, I guess, art uh, derived, though. But uh, yeah, so thanks for checking us out. I won't rattle off all of our uh, socials again. Um, but yeah. You can find us, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, wherever you listen to right now. You can give us a rating. We'd appreciate that very much. Anything else to add, mate? No, it's for me. Awesome sauce, then. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Have a nap.